0: We've been talking a lot about the kingdom of God here lately, and Donald's preached about three, three messages on the kingdom of God, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a, a fourth sermon here on the kingdom of God, and I'm going to call this one specifically the leaven of the kingdom. Now, if you're like me, you don't really know what leaven is, but we'll talk about it, we'll figure it out together, amen? So if you've got your notes, you can, you can open those up and look at those, and we're going to be reading out of Mark chapter 8. I'm going to read several verses here, and then we'll jump into the message. So in Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 13, now just for a little, just for a little uh, reference, Jesus has at this point done many miracles. His disciples have been walking with Him for quite a while now. And specifically what Jesus has done is He's come upon a crowd of about 5,000 and fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And then not too later after that, not too long after that, He comes to a group of 4,000 people, and has seven loaves and is able to feed these 4,000 people with those loaves. Now, after you see that, you would think that your mindset would change a little bit, wouldn't you? I mean, if you saw Jesus use you to feed 5,000 people with about five loaves of bread or whatever it was that they had, with just a little bit of food, wouldn't your mindset change a little bit? You would think, right? And, and see, Jesus is trying to teach them about what, what they're influenced by, what, how they think and how they view the world and how they see the world. And sometimes I think about what it would be like to just actually see and view the world the way that Jesus does. I mean, who come up, comes up on a scene and sees about 5,000 people and says, how many loaves you got? And they said five. And he says, well, let's feed them all. Like not, none of us think that way. But the truth is, is that Jesus was actually trying to teach his disciples to see the world the way he saw it and to think the way that he thought. Now, that's an important thing because we are influenced by so many different ways of thinking throughout our life, whether it be in, in religious circles or by politics or by the media or in school and so many different mindsets, so many different influences that try to change the way we think, the way we view people and the way we view the world. And so Jesus talks to them. They get into a boat after they see these two miracles and in verse 13 here's what it says it says and he left them and getting into the boat again departed to the other side and now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat and then he charged them saying take heed beware of the leaven of the pharisees and the leaven of herod now pay attention to that remember that beware of the leaven of the pharisees and the leaven of herod and they reasoned among themselves, saying, "It's because we didn't take any bread." That's what me, and you, and I would do, wouldn't we? We'd say, "Well, it's because we didn't bring any bread." He's talking about he's talking about bread now, and then. But Jesus, being aware of it, said, "Said to them, Why do you reason, or why are you thinking because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear?" And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven, seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Amen. Let's pray together real quick. Father, we just, we just want to take this time to... Uh, to get into your word, because we believe it has the power to transform our lives. And Lord, every single one of us, we come into here with the wrong mentalities and, and, and wrong thinking. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would take your word this morning and you would renew our minds. And Lord, you would just plant a seed. You would just hide a little bit of leaven in the way we think and in our hearts, the way we choose to live, so that that would begin to change who we are and see your kingdom for what it is in our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. See, Jesus was trying to teach his disciples how to see like he saw because he saw the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, he brought the kingdom of God with him. Now, in Matthew 13:33, Jesus actually teaches another parable. It's one of the, the shortest parables that He teaches. But He says this, another parable He spoke to them, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till all was leavened. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is a very small thing, and it starts with very small beginnings. But when it begins, once it is planted into this thing, he said it has the potential to leaven the entire loaf, so to speak. Now, three measures, there there are some scholars that say what he would have been talking about was enough, enough flour to make 52 loaves of bread. He's saying that's a lot. But she just hid a pinch into this entire thing, and it had the ability to leaven the entire loaf. Now, what Jesus did is He's saying, listen, the kingdom of heaven is leaven, and I brought the kingdom of heaven with me. And I planted, I hid this leaven in your life and in the world when I came and I died on the cross for your sins... And I and I was buried and dead, but I raised again from the dead on the third day. And I ascended and went to the right hand of the Father. And I sent the Spirit, so that now you could begin to demonstrate the kingdom of heaven on earth, the same way that I was demonstrating it here the three years that I lived in my ministry. And He even began to teach us to pray. This He prayed the very prayer that He teaches us to pray. Just think about it. He says, "Pray, our Father who art in heaven. And the very first thing we ask for is what? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth." As It is in heaven. His goal was always to make the earth look like heaven. Do you know that the gospel is not so much about you going to heaven when you die, but it's about God ultimately reclaiming the earth and making a new earth and a new heavens? And He's saying, Now you have a role and you have a part to play in making that a reality. He's saying, You have to come into alignment with who I am, what I want to happen on the earth. And when you come into alignment with that, He said, It's like leaven. And he says, it's not happening completely just yet. We look forward to the day when the earth is reflecting heaven and it looks just like heaven and his will is completely done on this earth as it is in heaven. But right now he's given us a mandate to carry out that same kingdom mentality in this world so that this, this would begin to leaven the world around us. But here's what he says. He says, listen, the issue with this is a lot of times, even as Christians, now maybe you'll admit with me this morning, I don't always see things like Jesus sees things. Anybody amen me this morning, right? We don't always see it. And he was telling his disciples, look, I understand. You all don't always see things the way that I see things, and that's why I need to test you a little bit here. And he says there are three kinds of leaven that are in this world. Specifically, he names three. He says one kind of leaven is the leaven of the kingdom, right? And he talks about that, and he said, I'm revealing what that leaven is. And he says there's another kind of leaven, and it's the leaven of the Pharisees, and then there's another kind of leaven, and it's the leaven of Herod. Now, the kingdom leaven is the mindset of Jesus Christ. It's how He sees the world and how He thinks. But the leaven of the Pharisees is a religious mindset. And I want to be honest with you. If in southeastern Kentucky, if there is any leaven or mindset that we are influenced by more than anything, it is not the kingdom, it is the leaven of the Pharisees. It is a religious mindset. Nobody really wants to amen you on that one, but it's the truth. In southeastern Kentucky, we have a really bad problem with that. But the other mindset is the leaven of Herod, and this is an atheistic or political mindset. And what he's saying is, you don't realize that I know you believe in me, I know you believe that the miracles I'm doing are real, but what you don't understand is that all of a sudden, you look at me and you think I can do anything, but I've given you the mandate to continue to carry out my will, but you're so influenced by religious mindsets and atheistic and political mindsets that it starts to leaven the way you see the world and the way you think. And just like Donald said this morning, it begins to make you a useless Christian. You lose your power in the world. You lose your influence in the world because you're not thinking correctly. So what he's doing is he's trying to teach them. He's trying to get them to think differently. And here's one of the things that I need you to understand is that it, it, I've not told you yet. So some people, how I many don't know what leaven is? You know, there's probably a handful in here that don't know what it is. But literally, it's, it's, it's like yeast that you will put in bread. So otherwise, you would have unleavened bread and it'd be like a cracker, right? But they put the leaven in this bread and it leavens the entire loaf, and it spreads and expands until it covers the entire loaf. And he's saying, this is what I'm trying to do with the kingdom. He says, it starts small. One person making an action, revealing the kingdom, but all of a sudden it begins to spread until it covers the entire world. But here's the other thing about leaven, is leaven is not activated until it is in heat. Now, I want to tell you something. The leaven that you think with... The mindset that you have, the worldview that you have, it will quickly be revealed as soon as you get into troubles and into trials and into problems in your life. When troubles come, when trials come, when hard and difficult times come, when dark times come how do you respond and how do you react now they got in the boat and all of a sudden the heat came Jesus says something about bread and immediately the leaven in their mind is revealed because they're not thinking about the Jesus that just fed 5,000 with a few loaves they're thinking about their natural resources and they said dang it we forgot bread boys because what in the moment they didn't think like the kingdom they thought like Herod they thought in the, in, the, in the area of natural resources, and Jesus was trying to reveal to them when the heat comes, when the trial comes, when the difficulty comes, how you respond reveals how you actually think and how you actually see the world. Y'all with me so far? So the first one, the first worldview, you can write it in your notes, the, number, the first one is the leaven of the kingdom. Now let's talk about the leaven of the kingdom just for a moment. In Luke 17... Uh, verse 20 and 21, the Pharisees come to Jesus, and they actually ask Him, they say, hey, when is the kingdom of God going to come? When's the kingdom of God going to come? And He responded by saying, listen, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. He says there's not going to be a day when somebody says, look over there, there it is, or look over here, here it is. He says it does not come with observation, but He said, and the best translation is, He said the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now one translation will say the kingdom of God is within you and I believe that the kingdom of God is within true believers but the kingdom of God was not in the Pharisees. And the correct translation is the kingdom of God is in your midst because here's what the Pharisees believe: They believed that if we could just get enough people to obey the laws and do what God says and obey His commandments, if they would just keep the law, then finally it would usher in the kingdom of God and God would come and destroy all of our enemies and set up Israel and bring peace in Israel and defeat the Romans and do all these things. That was their belief. And Jesus was saying to them, I know you boys have been waiting on the kingdom of God and you've been trying to get people to keep laws so that king would come but he's saying the kingdom of God is right here standing in front of you he was saying I am the embodiment of the kingdom of God If you want to know what the kingdom of God looks like, you need to look at my life and you need to look at how I act. You need to look at how I treat people. You need to look at my life and my world because I am the kingdom of God standing in your midst. And everything you've been waiting on and wanting to happen in this earth, I brought it with me and I'm the one that's come to reveal the kingdom of God. And you can have it right now in this moment because it is within your reach. If you receive me, for me, only Jesus, the song says. See, the kingdom of God is never separated from Jesus. Jesus is the kingdom of God, and He's the only one that can bring the kingdom of God with Him. It's not something that the government can bring in because we get a good Christian uh, president and all of a sudden he starts to change laws and, and make things reflect the Bible and stuff like that. It's not going to come with anything like that. It's going to come when the world receives Jesus as Lord and Savior and believes that His reality is the greatest reality and they come into alignment with His will for their lives. He says, when that happens, all of a sudden you're going to begin to see the kingdom of heaven manifesting in your midst. And so Jesus plants this kingdom, and, and here's what I want you to understand, is that the kingdom, the leaven of the kingdom, more than anything, it looks, looks like Jesus. More than anything, it looks like Jesus. There was, a, you know, John Calvin in Geneva, Switzerland, back in the 1500s. Their idea was that in this city, they could set up the rule and reign of God's kingdom. And that was their idea. They wanted to create communities that were completely Christian. Of course, they ended up failing miserably because one of the things that they would do is if there was a heretic, they would kill the heretic. Now, how many of you all know that is radically against the kingdom of God? Somebody said, no, I don't know if that is or not. Because you know why? Because we still think... And still, he, he had the, John Calvin had the right idea. He wanted, he had, he had good motives, he had a good heart. He wanted to see the kingdom of God coming on earth. He wanted to see an entire community change, but he went about it with the wrong leaven. He believed that he could force people and coerce people, and that if they didn't follow him and they were heretics, you could just kill them. Now, that's a political mindset. That's a Herod mindset. And Jesus comes and reveals the exact opposite mindset. Matter of fact, they thought Jesus was going to come and overthrow the Roman government, but instead he allowed himself to be crucified by the Roman government. It is a complete upside-down turn of what they thought the kingdom was going to look like. And he brings this thing and he turns it upside down. In Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, if the kingdom is about looking like Jesus, here's what the Scripture says... It says, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us. I'll tell you what the kingdom looks like. When you, are, when you have the mentality of the kingdom, you begin to love people as Christ loved us on Calvary. The kingdom is Calvary quality, self-sacrificial, self-giving love that when it sees a broken world in need, even while they are yet sinners, they give themselves for those people so that they might find life and come into the knowledge of the truth. He says, if you want to look like the kingdom, he says, then you need to be an imitator of God. How do you imitate God? You give yourself the same way that Jesus gave himself for you. And guess what? Jesus gave himself for you, not while you were a good Christian, not while you were coming to church. The scripture says Jesus gave himself for you while you were yet a sinner. While you were yet broken. And he said, if you want to represent the kingdom of God on earth, you begin to self-sacrifice. Officially, give yourself for sinners, for the broken people of this world, while they are yet sinners, while they are still even enemies of God. Because that is how you imitate Christ, and that is what defines the kingdom. Now, in 1 John 3.16, he says it even, even more clearly. He said, 1 John 3.16, if you don't mind putting that up. He says, look, this is, this is how we know love. That Christ, that Christ gave himself for us, and he said, we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. He said, if we know love because Christ laid down his life for us, he's saying in the same manner, we need to learn how to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're revealing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And then the next verse, 1 John 3, 17, he gives you a practical application. He said, now if you're going to do that, he said, and you have this world's goods, right? You have this world's good. Go to the next verse. Let them read it. 1 John 3, 17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So he's saying you cannot be representing the kingdom if you have this world's goods and you see a need, but you shut up your heart from people that are in need. He says if you want to reveal the kingdom, one of the things that you're going to do is you're going to see a need and you're going to self-sacrificially give in order to meet that need. That's the kingdom. Then he says this, next verse. Verse John three eighteen. He says, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. He's saying it's not about knowing the right doctrines or saying the right thing, but it's about Jesus' kinds of action and living like Jesus lived. So in Luke, in Luke chapter 6, I'm just giving you a few verses because Jesus spoke a lot about the kingdom and what it looked like. But in Luke chapter 6, Jesus said some things like this. He said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, I just stopped for a minute right there. How, how well are we doing in those areas and, and doing good to those who hate us? And then he says, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you, lend to them without expecting anything back, and be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. That means that we are merciful unconditionally. Whether they deserve it or not, he said, they lend expecting nothing in return when you live in the kingdom. He says, when people hate you, you bless them instead. When they persecute you, you pray for them. And he says, God is actually, he said, he is kind to the unthankful and to the unjust. I want you to imagine that because what, what I notice a lot of times is sometimes Christians are actually rude to the unthankful and the unjust. You ever notice that? Somebody amen me this morning. I need a little help. All right, got three with me. Praise God. He's kind to the unthankful and to the unjust. So He's saying this is what reflects the kingdom of heaven when you live that kind of a lifestyle. But then Jesus takes it up another notch because He says, not only is it about your character, not only is it about your character, He says, but it's about literally an unseen world that is in your presence. That when we meet together, you can't see it, but there's something, there's an invisible realm. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in Matthew four seventeen, that's what He says. He said, repent... For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within your reach. It's available. I'm right here, he says. And the kingdom of heaven is available, and it's in your reach. And he says, therefore, repent. Now, repentance absolutely has to do with you making a conscious decision to turn from your sinful behaviors. It it absolutely does. But repentance in its basic, most basic definition means to change the way you think. And what he's saying is you need to change the way you think because you can't see it right now, but within your very reach there's an invisible realm and it's the kingdom of heaven and you can tap into it if you will press into it. And let me tell you something, a lot of times people don't know uh, this reality, but there were people that we see in Scripture that knew this reality. For example, the woman with the issue of blood, she knew about the kingdom of heaven. Now, she didn't know necessarily how to access it, but in her mind, she had God-type thinking, and she said, if I can just touch the hem of that man's garment, I can tap into something that is not of this world, and it will invade my world in the here and now and break down and destroy what is destroying me in the here and now. Because So she reaches out, she touches his garment, and the kingdom of heaven is released into her life, and once it is released into her life, what happens? That thing, that issue of blood, that disease, that sickness that came from darkness was eradicated from her life. Jesus even said, he said, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's come upon you. He says, let me tell you something. There is no sickness, there is no disease, there is no demonic force. There are none of these things in the kingdom of heaven. And what I've come to do is reveal to you that none of these things were ever my design. And when he saw someone sick or broken or in sin or afflicted or any of these things, what he went to do in his ministry was to bring the kingdom of heaven and let it come upon them. And when it came upon them, those things broke off of their life. Now, I want to ask you something. How many of you, you know, you've, you've actually seen this in your life. You've seen someone delivered from the power of sin. The power of addiction. You've seen someone that has suffered with sickness and disease, and all of a sudden, in a moment of time, God heals them and delivers them and set them free, and you see that. Anybody in here? See, we've seen those things. We've seen those things. There are people in here right now that go to our church because they came in here, and in a moment of time, somehow, some way, God came upon them, spoke to them in a way that they could not have imagined, healed them, did something in their life, something in their mind, something in their body. And in that moment, they had an encounter with the kingdom of God. And when that happened, it broke the kingdom of darkness, all of its power, the power of sin, the power of disease, the power of sickness, and all of a sudden, guess what? In their life, it reflected heaven a little bit more than it did hell. You understand what I'm saying? And so these are going on, and we we have to understand this, that when Jesus taught us to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done, He was not saying, Jesus, come back. Right? Because He was already there. He was not saying, God, come back. He was already there. He was standing there. He was saying, let your kingdom be revealed on this earth, because right now it's not in the order and in the shape and in the design that God created it to be in. Listen, God created us to live eternally. Sin free, sickness free, disease free, and death free. But see, we experience all of those things now because sin entered in because of our disobedience and because of Satan. And when Jesus comes, he comes as a man to get back the dominion and the authority that we lost to Satan. And he said, see, you boys lost your power, and since you lost your power and your authority, just like Donald was preaching about last week, sin and disease and the devil is running rampant, and people's lives are being destroyed, and they're living in darkness. But what I'm telling you now is I have gotten back that authority, and you need to understand that the kingdom of heaven is still and now in your midst, and you need to step into that power and authority that I've given you, because what you agree with is what's going to happen around you. What you agree with is what is going to happen around you. Some people, your lives are dominated. Some people's lives are dominated by sin and darkness simply because they have not believed the power and the authority that God has given them in Christ Jesus. And they allow Satan and they allow the darkness to overrule their lives. And what they really need to do is step into the authority of Christ and say, no, this is not what I'm doing what you come into agreement with, what you align yourself with, is what is going to happen. And Satan is empowered by human agreement. Satan is empowered by human agreement. Jesus took all of his authority. He took all of his power. And he said, now I commission you to go in my authority and in my power. And he says, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. That's what 1 John 3 8 says. Jesus has come to destroy the works of the devil. And he says, now I send you as the Father sent me. So I want you to destroy the works of the devil. And he's laying that out for them, but he says, here's the problem. Satan is empowered by human agreement. And there's constantly a war. Listen, there was a war going on in your mind this morning. Because what Satan does not want to do... Can you imagine what would happen if just this many people that are in here this morning spent their week seeking God, praying, maybe fasting, staying in the Scripture, and they came into this church this morning aligned with the heart and the mind of God this morning, that the, and they were praying, God, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can you imagine what would happen in a place... But the issue is, is we've agreed with so many other things throughout the week. We've agreed with so many other things just this morning that we come in with a burden, we come in unfocused. And I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just saying Jesus was trying to reveal that this is the reality. He's saying, you have the potential to come in line with the kingdom of heaven and allow my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And somebody said, well, you know, you just can't know God's will. You never know what He's up to. Sometimes He wants to kill a person, sometimes He doesn't. Listen, that's ridiculous. Jesus reveals God's will. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He he cast out devils. And there was never one person that came to him that was afflicted by a demon or in torment that he said, you know what? This one's just my Father's will. You're going to have to bear it. You're going to have to get through this one. Not one time did he say that. So what I'm saying is, is that God's will is far greater than what we are experiencing in our lives. We've just not come into alignment with God's will yet. And rather than often praying, now there are times Jesus did pray the prayer, Father, not my will, but your will be done. But this is a prayer of consecration. This was a prayer of whether or not he was going to die, right? Whether or not he was going to have to fulfill his destiny in dying on the cross. But other times, never did he pray for anyone that was sick or afflicted or tormented by evil and dealing with depression and brokenness. Never did he say, Father, if it's your will, heal them. He just made the command because he knew it did not align with the kingdom of heaven. And he knew he had the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And he said, if this doesn't line up with what heaven looks like, then I'm not going to allow it to happen here on earth. My amen And I know this is heavy because even when I think about this, I think, Lord, this message is so even far above my standard, God. And he said, but Clay, we ain't preaching your standard. We're preaching mine. He said, you don't get up and preach your standard because if you preach your standard, ain't nothing going to happen. But if you preach my standard, both you and the church can come up to my standard and you can begin to see heaven break through in the here and now and lives change and things happen. But here's another thing that you need to understand is that the kingdom is already, but it's not yet. It's already here, but it's not yet fully here. And we live in that tension. And what I mean by that is we we believe God can set people free from addiction, I was talking to Tim the other day. I, he, he probably wouldn't mind me sharing, but he, he, like most of us in this church, like some of us in this church, had a, he had an alcohol problem. And he said he went to several rehabs, didn't change, didn't do anything, but he had one encounter with Jesus Christ and his addiction was gone. He was set free and he became a follower of Jesus Christ. See, there's... But we... Amen. And it's important that we rehearse these things that happen in people's lives. It's important that we remember when the kingdom of heaven invades a person's life, transformation happens. What a rehab couldn't do, what other things of this world could not do, Jesus did in a moment of time and transformed a person's life. And it's already, but it's not yet. Because listen, we still see tons of other people struggling with addiction and struggling with brokenness and struggling with all sorts of things. And they need a real encounter with Jesus. And oftentimes, whether or not they're going to have that encounter is based upon whether or not the church will agree with who God is and what He wants done in this earth and say, Lord, use us, flow through us, let us minister to these people, let us be equipped with Your power and Your kingdom. And when we pray, let breakthrough come, let heaven come, and let people be set free and be brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. See, he's saying that. He's saying that to us as a church and as a people. We have to come into alignment with it because when Jesus deals with sin, how does he deal with it? He doesn't stand off and judge people who are in sin. He enters into that sin, bears it on the cross, forgives them of that sin, but he never leaves them in it. He empowers them to come out of it. That's what the kingdom does. How does does the kingdom even deal with death? Well, Jesus revealed how He felt about death. He went and raised people from the dead. Matter of fact, He Himself was raised from the dead as if to say, look, death was never my plan. Now I've defeated it and one day I'll defeat it for everyone and you'll be raised from the dead as well. How did He deal with suffering and sickness? He dealt with it by healing every person that He came across that was suffering and in sickness. Now, it's already, but it's not yet. And I cannot, I cannot tell you why sometimes things don't happen. I can't tell you why sometimes I pray for people and nothing happens. The only thing I can tell you is that we are imperfect people, but we are to pursue the kingdom of God. And we are to pray for people as if every time we pray they're going to get delivered, as if every time we pray they're going to get healed. And when it doesn't happen, we go back to God and we say, more of your kingdom come, God. More of your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And the more we pray, the more we seek God, the more we seek his kingdom, the more we see it breaking in little by little. See, the Scripture says we're the first fruits of the kingdom. That means that it's not completely harvest time yet. The world's not yet reflecting heaven. Matter of fact, it reflects hell a lot because Satan gets into people's minds and they agree with him and his will is done on earth as it is in hell. Y'all realize that? We are in the battleground between the reality of the kingdom of of, of heaven and the kingdom of darkness, and the reason the world looks like the way that it is is not because, well, this is just the way it's supposed to be. No, it's because there are more people that are aligning themselves with the kingdom of darkness than they are with the kingdom of heaven. And he's saying if we get the church just to align themselves with the kingdom of heaven, it's such a, a greater and a superior power that it would destroy all darkness. Let me tell you something. You can have a counseling session with somebody that is completely aligned with the kingdom of darkness. And all of a sudden, you begin to speak to them, and you begin to talk to them about Jesus and what He's done in the kingdom of heaven. And by the time you're done, even though they didn't believe in Jesus, and even though they, they, they were still set in their ways and they're still going down in the direction, they just had an encounter with a word that dismantled those arguments in their mind that kept them locked in. And they begin to break down and cry, and they'll say, I don't even know why I'm feeling this way right now. I don't understand what's going on. And then they'll they'll begin to cry and then they'll begin to to say who Jesus says they are. They'll confess their sins. They'll ask for forgiveness. What is happening? The kingdom of heaven is invading. Simply because somebody was obedient enough to share Jesus with them and say, let me pray for you and let's believe God to do a miracle in your life. You say, but what if you pray and nothing happens? I say, what if you pray and it does? I prayed for a lot of people and nothing seemed to happen. But I'm a believer that there ain't no prayer that goes unanswered. And if it goes unanswered right now, it's just because I need to go home and I need to get in my closet and I need to pray a little bit more for breakthrough in that area. There were times even when Jesus' disciples, they wanted to bring the kingdom of heaven. They knew they had been uh, given authority to go and cast out devils and they come before a boy and they couldn't cast out the devil. And Jesus comes off the mountain, sets the boy free. They said, Lord, how come we couldn't do it? He said, well, I told you that the way I do it is by bringing the Spirit of God upon people and the kingdom of heaven comes upon them. He says, what you need to do is understand that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and and those who are seeking it, pursuing it, they're pressing into it. He's saying, you need to go into prayer and fasting and press into the kingdom of heaven so that when you come out, it's upon you. Y'all with me on this? Now, I believe with all my heart that if, if, if a church ever comes into alignment and says, look, we're going to seek this, we're going to pursue the kingdom, and we're going to see God's will be done in these areas of our lives, then, then all of a sudden we're going to start to see heaven breaking through more and more until ultimately Jesus comes back. And like I said, this world isn't completely peace yet, but we're the first fruits, we're bringing peace. This world isn't completely healed yet, but guess what? We bring healing in measure. This world isn't completely saved yet, but guess what? We bring salvation through the preaching of the gospel in measure. And and the more we align ourselves with the kingdom, the more we see it happening and leavening the entire world around us and changing people's lives. And so Jesus, he he begins to deal with some of this stuff. And and in verse 16 and 17 of, of Mark, he says, Listen, boys, you're on the boat. You saw me do these miracles. You saw me multiply this bread. He said, You saw me do all this stuff. And he says, how is it that you're now reasoning that you have no bread? He says, why, why are you thinking like this? And then he says, let me walk you through this, okay, so that you can understand this. Why are you thinking, why are you reasoning that you have no bread? Let me walk you through this. He said, whenever we had the 5,000, you remember that? They said, well, yeah. He said, how many loaves do you have? He said, we have about five loaves. How many basketfuls did you take up after you fed 5,000? They said, 12. He said, okay. How is it that you don't understand? He's pointing them what? To a superior reality. He says, I know you always think about what you lack and what you don't have. And I know you don't pray for people sometimes because you think you don't have the power. But what I'm saying is, is I've already given you authority. And I'm telling you, that when you pray, you pray in faith knowing that your agreement and your authority releases the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and I'm waiting on somebody to come into alignment with the resources of heaven to release it here on earth. I'm waiting for somebody to pray that my will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm waiting for somebody to do that, but you're all's minds, he says, they're a little bit messed up and you're not seeing that. And he's saying, I'm trying to get you to believe that all things are possible to him who believes that you can press into these things, that you can begin to believe for greater things. Now, the issue is, one of the issues is, like even in Mark 7, before Jesus tells this to him, he had spoken to the Pharisees and he said, Hey, you Pharisees, he said, listen, here's the problem with you guys. Your traditions actually make the Word of God of no effect. You have been in a place where the traditions made the Word of God of no effect? I'm going to say there are people right here, I, even in my own life, I've allowed my own traditions to make the Word of God of no effect. I went to a church one time and I talked about some changes that we were going to make. And I believed that it was God telling me to make these changes. It was a now word from the Lord. And when I said it, a woman stood up. She kind of hollered at me. God bless her. Lord bless her. Help her. I I love the woman. I'm just going to tell you what she said. She'll never hear this. I'm just giving you an instance. As soon as I said that, though, she held to her tradition so strongly that she said, She said, now what if you do this? And and nothing changes, and all we've done is lost our traditions. But this was the issue of the Pharisees. Jesus comes in and brings the kingdom, but He's messing up their traditions. I mean, He's healing the sick, He's raising the dead, people's lives are being transformed, but they don't like it because you're messing with our traditions, bro. We don't want this in here. I mean, you took out the pews and put chairs in. You did weird stuff. And you're coming in here healing people on the Sabbath, and we ain't supposed to be doing nothing like that on the Sabbath. We're supposed to be keeping the law because the law is important. If we don't keep the law, people ain't going to be, the kingdom's not going to come. They got mad. They got angry. They did not like what was going on. So let's talk about that. This is the second one. This is the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is going to be the one that gets us a little bit because this is where we all get hung up. We all get hung up. This leaven of the Pharisees is a religious spirit. It's a religious spirit, and Jesus reveals very plainly, very clearly, what kind of influence this has. Because I want you to understand something about the Pharisees. They get a really bad name, but in their time, they were, they were special. They were something that was respected. The Pharisees were the apex of spirituality, Everybody looked at them as the religious leaders of their day. They followed them. They believed that if, if, if you needed answers, you needed to go to them as far as God was concerned. They were literally a back-to-the-Bible movement. They prayed sometimes nine hours a day in three three-hour segments, and they fasted two days out of the week. Now we're already thinking, man, that right there is what I need to be doing. We're Christians. We need, it. And I'm thinking, yeah, we, we, and that, it's a good thing, isn't it? A person who fasts two days a week, a person who reads the Bible, uh, matter of fact, they they would memorize the first five books of the Bible. Memorized it. That's pretty hardcore. I don't know if you've ever tried to memorize Genesis. It takes some work. They got the other four after that too. So they had it memorized, but here's the issue with them. They knew the book... Donald says this all the time, that you can know the book of the Lord and not know the Lord of the book. See, they knew the book, but they did not recognize that the book is given, the Bible is given to bring us into a real encounter with Jesus. And if it does not bring us into a real encounter with Jesus, all it does is make us more religious and better equip us to argue with people who disagree with us. Somebody amen me right there. Because there are so many people that know the Bible, they can preach the Bible, they can talk the Bible, they can hold the Bible up against other people and say what's right and say what's right, but they cannot bring other people or even themselves into a real living encounter with Jesus Christ that transforms their lives. And they miss the entire point of the Bible. And matter of fact, here's another way that they live. They used to practice techniques. They would teach their followers and they would practice techniques in order to figure out how to go a day and how to go a week and how to go a month and how to go their lives without actually touching a sinner. Somebody amen me right there. Because I'm telling you, the church world today, they they believe oftentimes that the goal of Christianity is to stay as separate from sinners as you can. The goal is not to win sinners to Christ and to be among them and leaven them and change their life. The goal is to stay so separate from them that you can begin to stand on your, pride of, your pedestal of pride and say, look how holy I am. We're not like those Don't you remember what the Pharisees prayed? They say, God, I thank you that I'm not like those other sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. Of course, Jesus said the people who had that mindset, He said... The sinner actually went up justified before they did. Jesus told the Pharisees one time, he said, Listen, boys, do you all know that the tax collectors and the prostitutes are actually going into the kingdom before you all are? I love that. (laughs) I do, I just like that. Imagine going to to the religious leaders of our day and saying, You guys don't even realize it, you don't even see it. The sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors are actually going into the kingdom of heaven before you are because you've missed the entire point. You've missed the entire point. And this is the leaven of the Pharisees. And they would put hard yokes on people. Matter of fact, Matthew 23, Jesus says, Woe to you, you hypocrites! He says, because you bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but won't move them with one of your own fingers. See, it was not about leading people to God, but it was about making themselves look more spiritual. They, were, they, they would put hard burdens on people. Matter of fact, they called it a yoke. Because this yoke was designed to keep you in line. And this is why when Jesus comes, He says, Come unto Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. He says, Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. He says, take my yoke because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, I know these religious leaders are putting a yoke on you that you can't possibly do. And all they're doing is trying to make you feel terrible about yourself. And listen, Jesus was not for sin, was He? But here's the difference. Pharisees only were interested in changing the outside behavior. They weren't interested in changing the heart. Because Jesus would go to the Pharisees... Matter of fact, they come up and they, they said, look, we need to do the right thing here. The law says that this woman who was caught in the act of adultery, this woman should be stoned. And Jesus turns to them and says, all right, you who is without sin among you all, cast the first stone. What he's saying is, is you, may, you may clean the outside of the cup and outwardly you wear the right things and outwardly you say the right things, but inwardly you are no different than these sinners. And if you loved them and you cared for them, you wouldn't stand opposite them pointing the finger and bringing judgment. And he says the only reason you bring judgment upon them is because it makes you look more holy. If I can point out somebody else's sin, it makes me feel better about my own. Somebody ain't me in this place. And he says you're hypocrites because you get so good at pointing out other sins, but you won't deal with your own. You won't deal with the issue in your heart. He said, you worry about the outside, but you're not dealing with your own. So the Pharisees distance themselves from sinners. And here's here's one of the things that happened. In Luke 13, 14, and 15, there's an interesting sequence of events. In Luke 13, Jesus heals a woman on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees get mad at him for healing a woman on the Sabbath. And he said, listen, boys. Oh. Ought not this woman that's been bound 18 years be be loosed on the Sabbath day? He says, you know, every single one of you, you got an ox or a donkey. He said, you're going to take it to drink on the Sabbath. He said, how much more should this woman be set free on the Sabbath? And he's arguing with the Pharisees. And then so one of the Pharisees invites them, invites Jesus into his house, and they sit down. And here's what the Pharisees do around Jesus. They watch him because they're trying to accuse him of something. And so they're watching him, and Jesus begins to speak to them in parables. And he uses these kinds of parables. He says to the Pharisees, he says, Look, whichever of you will uh, humble yourself, you'll be exalted. But you all who exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. And then he says the, 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 the parable that we like to use a lot of times to be rough on people. And he says, he says look, he who, he who do, does not hate his father, mother, brother, sister, uh, and forsake all for my sake in the kingdoms, he cannot follow me. He says, Matter of fact, you boys need to count the cost before you follow me. Now, he's laying it hard to them, isn't he? Because they're religious Pharisees. All of a sudden, he gets up from the table and he walks out. And as he's walking out, it says that the tax collectors and the sinners draw near to him. And in in chapter 15, verse 1, it actually says that the Pharisees complained because they said, he receives sinners and eats with them. Now, imagine one of you nice Christian folks receiving a sinner and actually eating with them because you love them enough to show some self-sacrificial love and pray and hope that somehow it will lead them into the kingdom of God. And they complain because he received sinners and ate with them. And then he changes his tone on the parables. And what does he say? He says, a man that has a hundred sheep and loses one, will he not leave the ninety-nine and go after the one? And see, what you have to understand is that Jesus spoke differently to different people. He gave, he gave to, to the proud, right? He gave the law. But to the humble, he gave grace. And you have to understand that as Christians, we need to understand who we're dealing with. Are we dealing with religious people who are keeping people out of the kingdom? Or are we dealing with sinners who need to get into the kingdom? And we we should see that based upon that way. But see, here's the other issue with the Pharisees, is that they have a form of godliness, but they have no power. They have a form of godliness, but they have no power. When they... their issue to the boat, when they, see the, when they see these disciples on the boat, they would say to these men on the boat, you know, maybe the reason you're on the boat is because God in His sovereignty has placed you upon the boat. And now you're upon the boat because He wants you to experience what other pe- people are experiencing without bread. And, and they try to make an argument for it. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying that's necessarily a wrong thing, but Jesus' mentality, for example, in John chapter 9, Jesus passes by a man that is blind from birth and the disciples say Lord is this man blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned and Jesus responds by saying neither you're asking the wrong questions but then he says let the glory of God be revealed in this man and then he heals him he's saying you're you're asking the wrong questions quit asking the question of why there's sin in the world and why there's sickness and why there's death in the world align yourself with me and bring a solution to the problem Align yourself with me and bring a solution to the problem. And this is what he's trying to say. He's trying to bring a change in our mindset. Now, the last leaven, number three, the leaven of Herod. Now, this leaven is, a like I said, it's an atheistic or a political influence. And if you'll remember Herod in the beginning, he actually tried to kill Jesus Christ before he was, when he was a young man, but Jesus got away and so the, the leaven, this political mindset, this, this atheistic mindset is actually against Christ being active in the world. And this mindset, what happens in this mindset is that you will actually allow whatever's going on in the culture to dictate how you feel and how you see things. You don't allow Scripture to dictate how you see things. And the way they view sin, like if Pharisees are overly harsh on sinners, the leaven of Herod is the exact opposite. They just say there is no sin. All truth is relative. And ultimately, Jesus came to love everybody, and we just need to let everybody off the hook. But see, Jesus viewed sin as very destructive. And He came to die for people's sins and to set people free from sin. But, but an, an idea of, of what this leaven looks like as far as character goes, Andre and I, we were listening to a podcast. We listen to different stuff sometimes just to see what's going on in the world. And there's this popular podcast. I won't tell you what it is. And, uh, but but the, these guys are, are supposedly Christian guys. And they did this podcast on sexuality. And they ended up saying this. They ended up saying, well, you know, one of the main guys, he said, you know, I adopted the way I look at sex not from the Bible or from a Christian worldview, but I, I got my ideas from, from you know, my, my, what I learned growing up and different things like that. And he said, but what I found out in science is that biologically, a human being's sexuality, uh, it, it goes anywhere from, it goes anywhere from completely monogamous, which means you stay with one person, or highly promiscuous. He says we're somewhere between a, an orangutan and a chimpanzee. That's what he said. And this is a Christian podcast, in theory, but this is influenced by the leaven of Herod because they end up saying this, and so, so they end up saying, now all of us, we're, we're, we're monogamous, we're with our wives, but we couldn't actually say it was wrong if a man chose to be with someone else. Can you imagine this? But this is the world we live in today where, where we are slowly allowing another mindset to come into our lives. In the Corinthian church, Paul dealt with this because they had people in their church going to their church that that one man was actually sleeping with his stepmother. And he, and he, he sent him a letter. He said, boys, this is so messed up. He said, people in the world don't even do this. And he says, and you're boasting because you're saying, well, look at how gracious we are. We're just allowing these things to go on in the church. And this is right because, you know, we just need to allow people to be what they want to be and do what they want to do. And he said, do you not understand that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? He said, when you let a little bit of this mentality get in there, before long, everybody's going to be running completely wild. And so what we need to understand is that we're not the Pharisees where we judge people and we separate ourselves from sinners, but neither are we Herod. We stand for the truth and we speak the truth in love, but we are to be leaven in the world. That means that even though we are not like the world, we are constantly mixing it up with the world, hoping that we will be a light in the darkness, bringing healing in the brokenness, and bringing people out of bondage and into the kingdom of God. And we cannot allow wrong mindsets to keep us from that. Now see, the leaven of Herod, the issue with it as well is that, is that you believe there is no God. So any issue that you deal with, you got to fix it on your own. we got human problems and they have human solutions. Now I want you to understand this because y'all can begin to come to the music if you like. Because whenever we have an issue, whenever we have sickness, whenever we have disease, whenever we have pain, how easy is it for us to respond with a natural mindset, with a natural worldview. You know, one of the things Jesus says here to His disciples, He ends up saying, verse 17, 18, and 19, He said, boys, y'all remember I fed, I fed thousands. I fed thousands with just a few loaves, and you took up 12 basketfuls. He said, I was trying to show you that there's another kingdom at hand. And then He says, how is it that you don't understand? Do you have eyes, but you don't see? You have ears, but you don't hear? And He says, do you at not least remember... And this, this speaks volumes to me about remembering, remembering. And one of the things that, that i Every time I look over here at Barb, she, she's a monument to me. And I'll tell you why she's a monument to me. When I first became a Christian, and she knows the story, she's told it to me. When I first became a Christian, I was reading the Bible, and I read about healing, and I read about all sorts of other things, and many of you know this story. But like I said, it's a monument to me. And so she, she was in the office, we were working together, and she had a torn rotator cuff, okay? And she was talking about it, and I heard her talking about it. I had been praying and fasting. I have been saying, God, I want to see this th- stuff happen. I want to be able to minister to people that come into the office. I want to be able to do this. And this was the first time I stepped out in faith and believed God for this, this kind of thing. And you can imagine the first time you pray for somebody to be healed when it happens, how much that changes your worldview. So she's in the office, and, and I go up to her. And my initial response was, No, man, don't pray for her because she's going to have surgery anyway and that will heal her. What kind of mindset's that? Now look, and I'm not against surgery. We are not against doctors. We believe that there's a reality there that we we need to allow those things to take place when they need to take place. We're not those kind of people that say don't go to the doctor. We're just those kind of people that say believe God first. We're just those kind of people that believe. There's a lot of answers that doctors can't answer, but at the end of the day, we believe God can answer every question. And listen, there are some times when we're going to pray, and like I said, nothing is going to happen because this kingdom is not yet, and we look forward to a day when the kingdom does come in fullness. But still, that moment let me know that guess what? Sometimes when we come into alignment with God, He breaks through, and her shoulder was completely healed in a moment of time. She didn't have to go have a surgery. And guess what? I begin to see God do other things in people's lives. We've seen people delivered, we've seen people oppressed with demons and be delivered. We've seen people with addictions that get set free. We see people that are healed uh, of sicknesses and diseases. Just, just this past week here, you remember, Caitlin had a, she had a, she thought she had a, uh, and I think she did, she had a, tell me, dry socket, yes. A dry socket where she got her wisdom teeth taken out and and so she called us at 2, 2 p.m. Because we were going to have worship night. And she said, listen, I don't know if we're going to be able to do it. And, and we said that. We said, we said, okay, if you can't do it, that's fine. It's not like we're crazy people, okay? We're not like, oh, you believe God, do it. We're not that kind of people. If you're going to do this, you do it with love. You do it with wisdom, okay? But we said, you know what? If you don't feel right, that's fine. But, but guess what? Let's, let's pray. Let's believe God for a miracle. So we prayed. We believed God for a miracle. She comes that night. And by the time she gets done singing, she's pain-free. She goes to the doctor the following day. And when she goes to the doctor, the doctor says, Wow, this is is looking good. Matter of fact, it's healing a lot quicker than expected. Now, what's easy to do? I asked her, I said, now now, now tell me, Caitlin. I said, was that a bona fide miracle? Did God heal you? or, Or do you just think it was a coincidence? She said, well, you know, she said, I thought about it, and I wrestled with it. But she said, no, I know that it was this way, and I had, I mean, it was terrible pain. I had had a dry socket, and, and the Lord had to do something. I mean, it was a miracle. But I'm telling you, I don't know how many times, and we do this same thing that the disciples are doing. We will see God do a miracle. We'll see God save a soul. We'll see God set a person free. We'll see God heal somebody, and instantly we'll just be like, oh, that was a coincidence. And we let it pass. We don't hold on to it. It would be easy for me and Barb to say, you know, Barb, maybe you never had a torn rotator cuff in the first place. Maybe that's what happened. Y'all understand what I'm saying here? When Jesus saves a soul, when He heals a person, when He changes a life, when He sets somebody free, He's inviting us into a deeper understanding of what His kingdom looks like. And He's saying, if I did that then can you please align your mind with the greater things that I want to do right now? If I heal Barb's shoulder then, do you not think I don't want to heal you right now? But I need you to come into alignment with me. I need you to understand that I want to do it more than, than, than you want to see it, and I need you to come into alignment with me. And I know this is a challenging message, but we have to allow God to renew our minds, and we have to begin to be people that pray persistently, Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to I do something just in closing here. How many in here right now? And, and here's the thing that we like to do sometimes. Because obviously we love people to come forward and we want to pray for them. But I believe, I believe it's important that everybody in the church begins to use their own authority. Amen? It's one thing for me or Donald to pray for you. It's another thing for you to get your own personal breakthrough and you pray for people and you see things begin to change. The church was never designed for the pastors to have, to have the uh, a monopoly on the power of God or on, or on the, any of those things. You all have gifts. You all have authority given to you by God. And when people are in a bind, when people are in darkness, you have the power to release a word from God into the life. You have the power to pray heaven into their life. So right now, I want us to pray. Would you just bow your heads just for a moment? And you know, the the first miracle of anyone is, is salvation. And if you're in here right now this morning and you need the kingdom of God to come in your life, just to bring salvation, to bring forgiveness, to bring deliverance, and you say, "I want to follow Jesus," I've not made that decision. Just as an act of faith, raise your hand. Let me see you right now. You say, "I want to follow Jesus." I got one hand. Got two hands. Got three. See, that's the kingdom of heaven invading people's hearts. Saying, I want to I follow Jesus. And we want to pray with you, but also I want to pray for people that are dealing with different things right now. I want us to pray though, right now, I want us just to just pray a prayer of a commitment and ask the Holy Spirit to begin to move in here. Father, right now we just ask that your Spirit would move in our hearts. God, there's a greater reality in our midst that we don't often see. God we struggle with a lot of things because the kingdom's already but it's not yet and sometimes it just doesn't happen the way that we think that it needs to happen and so Lord right now I'm just praying for every discouragement of the past, every frustration of the past to be erased and to be lifted in Jesus name and Lord for those who choose to follow you right now with me let's just confess our sins to you Lord Lord we confess our sins we ask you for forgiveness. Lord, we want to follow you, Jesus, and we confess you as Lord right now. See, when you confess Jesus as Lord, you're coming into alignment. Say it out of your mouth, everybody in the building. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Not only only are you Lord of my life, but you're Lord over all creation. You're Lord over all creation. And we confess that and we come into alignment with that right now. And we choose to follow you. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to begin to move right now. Now, if there's anybody in this place, you've just been dealing with darkness right now. You've been dealing with depression or sickness or anxiety or, or fear, any of these things. And you need breakthrough. You need the kingdom of heaven to come upon you right now. I want you to raise your hand. Now, now open your eyes and look around. Keep your hand up just for a moment. Keep your hand up just for a moment. So we've got, got a couple over here. Right? got a couple right here. I want you all to look around. got got three hands here. now if you're close to them I want you to go to those people I want you to go to those people because you're getting ready to release the authority that God's given you on them that's important when we do this folks that we that we take it seriously I know we would rather be like the Pharisees and just have a church service and be done but you have the spirit of the living God inside of you and if we really believe what I just preached, there should never be a time that we leave without ministering to people's needs that are dealing with things. So you know what? It's also important that you uh, that you might even ask them what they need what they need for. Pray, say, say, ask them say What do you need prayer for? Do you need prayer for healing? Do you need prayer for this or that? Darlene, won't you come up here? and if you're not praying for anyone why don't you just bow your head why don't you just pray silently to yourself that God will begin to move so I just want you to pray over them whatever it is Father right now we just speak to sickness and we command it to go in Jesus name Lord we speak healing and God we command every unclean spirit to leave now in Jesus name we speak to all depression All anxiety, every torment, and we command it to be broken off of lives right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we speak freedom right now into their lives. We ask you to come, kingdom of heaven. Come upon them and bring freedom in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.